Zach Servideo from Boston Speaks Up. I'm here with the sponsor, Reed. Silicon Valley Bank is a proud sponsor of Boston Speaks Up for more than 35 years. Silicon Valley Bank has helped innovative companies and their investors move bold ideas forward fast. SVB provides targeted financial services and expertise through its offices at 53 State Street in downtown Boston and in Newton and innovation centers around the world. With commercial, international, and private banking services, SVB helps address the unique needs of Boston's innovators. Learn more at svb.com. Zach Shavideo here from Boston Speaks Up, and I'm here with Snapchat's Chris Vale. Hi, Chris. Hey, Zach. Good to talk to you, buddy. Um, as we're going to explore in this conversation, we actually have a history with each other in the Amazon advertising innovation space, um, which we'll unpack um, at some point in the course of this conversation. Uh, what I'm going to do is just read just a bit of background on on you for for listeners so folks have sort of dialed into your to your background and sort of some of the things that they can expect to um to hear about as as we begin our discussion here so chris bale is a senior account executive for political and advocacy partnerships at snapchat a former amazon ad sales leader Vale made the move to Snapchat to help onboard legislative issue and nonprofit advertisers onto the snapchat platform his team recently launched an augmented reality lens for the Mark Kelly campaign in Arizona, which was the first Senate campaign to lean in on this new experiential way of engaging voters. Snapchat has also made waves recently for signing up more than 750,000 young voters via the Snapchat app. Prior to Snapchat, Vail headed up sales for Downstream, a fast-growing Amazon product marketing startup. He began his media career as a planner and buyer for a large DC political shop. In 2014, he migrated from politics to e-commerce, moved from DC to Seattle, and he landed at Amazon to help build out its, at the time, small digital ads team. He spearheaded the expansion of Amazon's ad business into New York, Toronto, and Boston, where he eventually moved with his family. And you're now in Wyndham, New Hampshire, right? Right, Chris? Sure. All right. Six miles over the border. Right on. So it's like less than 30 miles from me in Beverly, Mass. So, um... So welcome and and thanks for indulging me. Let me read that little that little background summary. Um, appreciate you joining today. I've also, also discovered pre podcast at your uh, at your wife's birthday. So happy birthday to Miss to Mrs. Vale. And you got some apple picking on the horizon on this beautiful New England day. We do. We're gonna take full advantage of the uh, the last uh, the last few few weeks or so of good New England weather. Awesome. Where where are you guys going? Uh, it's a it's a farm up. Uh, a couple miles north of New Hampshire, I think. Um, I'm blanking on the name yeah. of it right now, but there's not that there's any shortage of apple picking. Right, there's so many. This was her choice, her birthday, her choice. So we're gonna do. Awesome. I think they've got some kind of apple crisp that they like up there too. Sweet. And then you have two two kids. What are their names, ages? I do two daughters. I have Sydney, who's five, doing a remote kindergarten because that's the thing now. And uh, I have a two year old, Adeline, who is. Uh, trying to grow up as fast as possible <laughs> yeah yeah well that that helps having a five-year-old sister right sort of lift yeah lift, lifts her For up sure. she wants, wants, to, to, wants be to be just everything. like her yeah yep i'm sorry i'm sure at times sydney loves that at times she's like give me give me a little space there sis 
Exactly right. And then, you know, two years ago, switching from, you know, zone defense to man to man is always, uh, is always a challenge too. Right. Yeah. Close to each other. Yeah. I'm still in, in a uh, zone defense territory with just the one, with the one kiddo. How's it been? Uh, how's it been during the pandemic? Um, you know, parenting and, and how's like, and curious how like the remote schooling going, how's, how's your local community handling that? You know, it's, everybody's got the challenge, right. You know, and I think, uh, with us, we're, we're, super privileged in a lot of ways because we, you know, we have the ability to have extra help at home. You know, we're, we're kind of, you know, socially distancing so we can see, you know, my wife, Stephanie's parents and things like that too. So, um, so it's been, you know, a little bit, it's not easy, but I think it's been a little bit more, um, you know, palatable for us to be able to, you know, kind of handle the, the mix up between remote work and then the independent study and things like that. I mean, it's kindergarten, right? So there it's a, not, it's not made for, for looking at a zoom all day long uh, and yeah. five-year-olds don't have the attention span. So we're, we're never going to have to worry about like monitoring screen time because my daughter can't wait to get off of it to begin with. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, but I mean, I, I still, you know, I, I try to remain, you know, um, aware of like what, what this challenge is bringing for everybody else who are like, can't have to make a decision between like sending them in school and, you know, making these, you know, these decisions between ultimate safety and, and, you know, development of their, of their children. So um, it's been not a breeze, but it's, it is, you know, it's something where with younger kids, I think it's a little bit more manageable for us Mm -hmm. on the, on the, on the decision-making piece of it. I think it, and they don't know as much what they're missing. I think, I mean, I, my, my daughter, you know, has asked for play dates and we're trying to, you know, give her as, as many people that are, you know, following, uh, you know, a level of safety that we can do where we feel comfortable, you know, comfortable still being around our, you know, our elderly parents and things like that. But right. I'm not elderly. I'm not going to call them elderly, but they're, they're more at risk oh. than we are. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I think, um, you know, I, I think, you know, with the kids that are like an eight, nine year olds growing, you know, growing up a little bit more, it's so much more difficult because they don't understand. So I know you, you guys have got to be, you know, feeling the same thing, even though you, oh, you know, yeah. with a three year old, it's, it's not as, uh, not as much from a school front, but you know, what decisions do you make? And you know, ultimately you have to make the right one for, for you and your family. Yeah, exactly. I was talking to my neighbor actually across the street last night. We were, it was trash day. So we're putting the trash out and you know, our daughter's a little over three, their daughter's approaching three. And we, and I, and I said to him, I get yeah, kind of along the lines, what you just said, it's, I do feel it's a bit um, fortuitous to have, you know, children under five right now going through this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's less of, List diff. I think that this decisions are <clears throat> a little simpler to make than for kids that are seven, eight, nine, ten. Like those, like formidable yeah. years, and like you know, just like not just between from a school standpoint, from a socialization standpoint. I think it just yeah. uh, the older kids get. I think the more they need it. Um, not to say they don't need it at three. I mean, we we started putting our daughter back in uh, the Beverly YMCA daycare. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've been doing doing a wonderful job taking the precautions they're taking and and uh you know our, our daughter's like you know spent most of the pandemic like not seeing many kids and so we're happy that she's got some of that again like she was really stoked to go to, to school today because it was it was uh it was gym day she had her gym clothes on yeah. she wants to be an athlete like daddy she was like stretch, she was asking me to stretch with her this morning and it's just like you know all these little things that you know wouldn't 
that you take for granted that that kids have uh, developmentally. Um, there's a lot of tough decisions, or you know, surrounding you know, what they what they can or or can't do. So, yeah, I'm great. You know, grateful the numbers are down in this part of the world. Hopefully, we can all continue to be smart. I think in the meantime, we we all need to. Part of being smart means you know keeping keeping things simple and and being pretty pretty sequestered um, from each other and and hopefully you know but one of the silver linings to what's going on with children you kind of alluded to it with your five-year-old i'm hoping that the um, overuse of devices for school right now almost creates like a like a backlash against device usage for young people because i've been worried for years like man our daughter just like she's you know it's great. Your daughter's for, I mean, how like their whole lives they've been around smartphones and scrolling and using yep. their fingers. And like in this, they're using like these inner, these intuitive um, screens and mm-hmm. their relationship with devices is, you know, it's, it's a time scary. Right. And so to hear you say like your daughter, your five-year-old's like, Oh, I can't wait to get off soon. I can't wait to get off this device. <laughs> like, Hey, is that not a silver lining? Like she just wants to go play and be a kid. It's like great. Like yep. yeah, maybe maybe this year plus will be a year where um where kid where kids kind of like realize how much how enjoyable it is to like, you know, experience life, you know, in the physical world and 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 kind of not be so device dependent. Um hopefully what right. Age there, take, there will be studies take on cues. this. Yeah, they take some cues from us, right? Like, yeah. how do we? How do they carry? How do they carry stress? How do they carry? You know, what is this too much time? Is this not enough time? And I think it, it's been one of those things where we've always tried to balance, like, yeah. you know, if, she, if if she's gonna, you know, have a, a fit if she's not on it, or if she's gonna have a fit if she's on it too long. <laughs> now, yeah. it's, now it's like going the other way around, and I think, you know, and we we've approached it very similar with the, with the pandemic is like, you know, we, we told her there's a sickness, you know, that we have to be careful about, but, you know, yeah. letting her feel the stress that we feel is not conducive or, pro- or productive for anybody. Uh, you know, and I think it's just, you know, that, you know, giving her the tools of like, okay, you know, we have to be cautious. This is why we wear a mask here. Or this is where, yeah. you know, where, why we have to be careful here, why we can't see, you know, why we can't play with all of the kids and things like that. And why we can't go to school in person. Um, but the sickness is, you know, we're working on getting it done and because we're doing all these things, that's what will eventually help it go away. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's it's similar with like all the, with the remote work too. You know, we could, again, it, it, I keep going back to, and I know you've already said it, we're four twos because it's because they're younger, but it's kindergarten. Like the, we can't get them so rigid into, you know, you've got to spend 30 minutes learning A's and, you know, 45 <laughs> minutes learning B, C and D. Uh, we've got to give them that space as well to kind of just decompress different and weird for them yeah yeah we yeah totally we we yeah and we similarly have a conversation with with our daughter mila about germs and just like you know there's a lot lot of you know there's a lot of a lot of germs going around right now and people are trying to stay healthy so sometimes we have to wear a mask and yeah it's 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 in conversations you didn't anticipate having with your your kids you know when you when you became parent when we became parents uh, but hey maybe maybe we'll we're raising a whole generation of children that are really gonna know, know the importance of, of washing their hands uh, yeah so i mean that's that's a good thing um so before like i love to kind of chat um i want to get a bit more 
background and, and even things we haven't even explored just in we'll, we'll get into this because you and i have actually spent some time working together and and in, yeah. in, in one of your other lives um so mm-hmm. but but for for listeners and like just to kind of like in the present like what your focus is could you just kind of give an overview of like this role that you that you took on um at snapchat is you know in the in the sort of spearheading pol- political and advocacy partnerships and specifically really helping um, you know, helping legislative, you know, issue and nonprofit advertisers come up with, um, you know, creative, uh, sort of ad activations in the Snapchat platform and sort of like connecting with that younger audience. And in particular in a, in, in, in an election year, it's, 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 it's really purposeful work. Um, but, but can you kind of give an overview of, of the role and, and sort of what drew you to it and, and, and what, you know, what your, what that job looks like today and maybe any, any things in particular you want to, you want to point us to that, that we should check out, um, leading up to the election. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. And I happy to, I think, I think the biggest thing for me was that the way that Snapchat was approaching, um, I, and I followed them from afar, obviously, you know, I was at, I was at Amazon for several years, which we can get into, but like a lot of leadership went over, to Snapchat as they started to kind of rebrand themselves and, and focus on, you know, a, a streamlined of, of sales business and things like that. So I had connections there already for people that I knew that I you know, had so much respect for that had, that had gone over there, mm-hmm. you know, kind of stayed, stayed watching them from afar while I, while I went to and did a couple of other things. But, um, I, you know, I was it, political is, is always been kind of in my blood. I, you know, I went, I went and did that from, you know, even in college and uh you know i was i was paying attention to how they were doing it you know they they had a, a manual review ads library they you know they were super transparent they, you know, they fact checked their ads there was a and this was way before even a lot of that cambridge analytica stuff even broke and things like that mm. too so um so i think that that part of it for me was you know something that i was watching you know kind of you know on on the side and um and they'd had a, a, a and they still have a you know, great national team that focuses on like the presidential and our policy team that you know, works with you know uh, you know, actual government officials and things like that to have a Snapchat presence. Um, but what they, what I think there, there wasn't yet was this broader, you know, kind of mapping out of, of the electorate of where we could, where we could take, a, you know, the opportunity to say, okay, we can engage Senate races and House races and issue groups and, and nonprofits and, and ballot initiatives and things like this and really come with a nascent product that I don't think was a, a must buy for most political agencies and, and advertisers at the beginning, you know, we were kind of uh, pigeonholed into that, you know, this is the, the younger demographic, which is, you know, the political world is sometimes looked at as like not reliable as voters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what, uh, what really attracted me is that because there wasn't a, a focus on really building that out, uh, it, it went right back into the world that I left, you know, several years ago when I was in DC. Uh, you know, focusing on on races that are that are you know have are desperate for extended reach uh, mm-hmm. because there's only so many TV spots you can buy. There's only so much inventory you can actually buy someplace else, and then your um, in order to reach you know this uh, an expanded audience of people who are super engaged and you know you you quoted the 750,000 registered voters. Uh, they did 400,000 in 2018, and we actually just crossed a million. Uh, so it is, you know, it's, it's this, it, it's the civic engagement and the civic mission that I think that, that Snapchat has too, that just, it just became this, uh, this opportunity that I just, you know, the more and more conversations I had about it, I was like, this is something I can't, 
I can't, you know, walk away from and, and, and turn down. I just think there was such a, a, a great opportunity for us to, to kind of lead in a, in, a, in a new way for social uh, with a generation that's grown up on it. Uh, that's grown up on this more private messaging, you know, individual one-to-one, not, you know, a bunch of comments or, or, or uh, um, you know, this viral nature of, of the way that, you know, anything goes. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit more of a closed ecosystem uh, with close people. Yeah, that's fascinating. I appreciate you kind of laying that all out. On, on that last point you just shared, like, I, I couldn't, like, I totally get it. Like, I, I, and I attempt, like, and it's not even I don't think there's much to disagree on, but I completely like agree with you and love your point about the more like intimate kind of like one to one communications that exist on on snap and sort of that that more intimate sort of like non commenting you know like you know lack of trolling sort of culture it just doesn't exist on snap it's one of the reasons i use like the snapchat app and i mean i'm pretty long on snapchat in general just amongst a sea of social platforms that um do have a lot of questionable impacts on folks mental health and it just seems to me that snapchat is more of a safe and sort of like positive place to be it's not to say that bad things can't happen in a one-to-one basis and no, in a one-to-few and sort of, but it's these might, you know, the micro sort of comms is and and lack of sort of like public um, commenting and, and, and seeking of gratification and, and inevitability of people knocking people down in their pursuits of gratification that maybe exists on, on uh, other social platforms that, that, that do take more of a one-to-many approach. I, I just think that I think that Snapchat just really stands out. Um, and it's something that uh, I imagine you think about a lot. I don't know if you have anything else to add there just in terms yeah. of like, as a social platform, it's very different than the major, than the other major sort of social media platforms out there today. Well, it's interesting to me because I, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'm an older guy, so I, I remember when, you know, cable was a nascent type of industry from a, from a television perspective, where it didn't have the reach it, it, right away, you know, they had to, you know, they, they segmented out versus, you know, zip codes or whether they're part of these larger, you know, interconnects or something like that. And, you know, broadcast was always the, the bigger one. But what, what was unique to me about Snapchat is because I feel like we're having that same type of conversation, but, and the way that the content is consumed is more similar to television viewing habits to me than it is social media. Uh, because you watch a program, you watch content in your home, you're sharing it with the four people that are there or the five people that are there around you. Uh, you don't have a direct line to send it out into the world and say, I hated this, or I liked this. You know, you're, you're, right. you're having that conversation among a few people. Um, so, you know, and I think that with uh, why it was such, you know, why I thought this, there was this, this unique opportunity for, especially for advocacy, is that you have ability to talk kind of one-to-one to person, to a person again, right? Uh, you don't, you don't put a message out there and immediately you get 50% people spamming you and 50% of people saying like, this is great. I love this. And you're constantly waging the war between the two of them. Um, so I, I think the habits are different of the way that people consume, whether it's messaging or, or camera content or, you know, our, our premium content that's in discover. Um, it's just different. And I think that that is, uh, you know, maybe it was, maybe it was for me, it was, it was kind of bringing it back and it's easier for me to digest that because I do remember that you know, when they would have trying to convince, 
campaigns to buy The Walking Dead or something like that, where it just came out. They're like, nah, you know, it's, it's, it's on cable. I need the bigger reach. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, everybody's watching the show at this point right now. Like, it, it, they, they, don't, they don't have the overnights like the, that, uh, you know, Dancing with the Stars has or something like that. But there was no, at that point, there was no way for people to, other than go on another platform and talk about it. And then they get into that, you know, I think you talked about it, that mental health kind of thing where they're either defending why they liked it or, they, or they're, you know, talking about why they didn't. The medium itself was safe. It was a it was a safe place for brands and and messaging to to talk to a viewer and a, a potential um, you know advocate that way. Yeah, interesting. And to double click on this, you know, one one other kind of follow up, just to kind of dial in. Like, can you give an example of a recent camp? And it could be the Mark Kelly campaign we alluded to earlier with the with the augmented reality lens. Mm-hmm. Like, what's a what's a recent ad deal that it you know whether you did or didn't sort of person like that that was shepherded through the snapchat platform and presented to um to your user base and like what was you know what did that look like what was the call to action like what was the, what you know what are the goals and outcomes yeah no i i think the you know the, the mark kelly one is is interesting because it it was really a uh a combined effort between the organic team and and the, you know, the ads team and everything like that to try to come up with something unique for uh, you know our community that that was positive um, and that was the that was the biggest thing where I, where I think that that you talk about that impact again is that you know it's it's the 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 whole call to action was go learn more on my Snapchat account that I just launched and play with some of the lenses that we have I was a, you know you know he's, he was a former astronaut. Um, you can put on a, an astronaut helmet with the Arizona landscape behind you. And obviously, like if you're in Arizona, you can see it, you know, in between content. And if you're just going to his page organically, you can you can see it because it lives on the account. Um, and I think it was, again, there's no that's not a political message. Right. That's a I'm a candidate for office and I'm I'm here. Here's some things about me and learn more about me um, and, go, you know, and, and here's a way to, you know, have a fun way to, to learn more about you know, what what kind of our mission is and things like that, too. So. I want to do, you know, hundreds of thousands of more of these with, you know, every, you know, both sides. I think, I think there's an opportunity, you know, and I, you know, I'll, I'll call out, you know, other, you know, campaigns that have done it that have done virtual yard signs and things like that, that, you know, that I think are really cool executions and, and allow them to, you know, take a different approach to the usual political messaging that's out there. And, and there's no, the only person who's going to have a say about it is what they choose to share with their close friends that they're connected with on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, disappears at most after 24 hours. There you go. How's a virtual yard sign work? Uh, yeah. So, it's in the, so we have a, we have a community lens builder too, where, where, uh, you know, campaigns can go in and build, you know, they, we have a lens studio, so they can go in and build their own. Uh, right. They've got the AR capabilities and, um, you know, they can, make them searchable for the community, anything like that. And, uh, you know, one of the campaigns that went through and, and built out a yard sign that looks like the yard signs that they, they put everywhere. And, uh, you can put it in your yard and size it however you want, put it in your room or your, on your computer. And, uh, you know, it's just another way to, you know, and of course they're all shareable. So you can share that lens with your friends or something like that too. So, yeah. um, so I think that that's, that's just a, again, it's a, it's a, I, I've always felt like that there, it'd be too easily gloss over, younger voters uh, mm-hmm. because they're not 
you know, the, the going mantra again, that, that they weren't reliable. And I think it's, it's not fair to them because we, we also don't give them very compelling messages. Uh, you know, the days of, the days of somebody sitting in front of a, a, a wall of books and, and talking about a policy or something like that doesn't really tell uh, people who are just learning how, uh, you know, the, the electoral process works. Doesn't really give them much to learn about who they are as a person or, or why that issue is important to them. Um, and I think if we, honestly, if we make better ads, I think people will be more engaged. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So you grew up in you grew up in a swing state. You grew up in an important, important <laughs> state. Yeah. This this upcoming election. You grew up in Florida. Uh, what, what, like, what part of Florida? Like what, what was what was that like? So mostly Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay area, like the suburbs, Palm Harbor area. Oh, the home like of TB12 um, now. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, are, are you are you coming in terms of that yet? Is, is it the Sunday? Yeah, it's cool. It's I actually kind of enjoy watching the Patriots again. I'll be honest. I was sick of watching the yeah. same thing over and over again. Uh, it's kind of fun watching Cam Newton, and I find myself tuning in to see what Brady looks like in a Bucks uniform and how they're yeah. doing. So it's actually extended. I think it worked out the for NFL. Both. Worked out. Worked out for both teams. Yeah, I think so. Good. Yeah, Tom gets to finish out his career in warm weather, so can't blame him Literally. later. Yeah, so you so, yeah, in, my first yeah, where in where in Tampa did, did you grow up? Uh, so it's it was like a suburb of Tampa Bay, uh, like countryside area, it's a neighborhood called Palm Harbor. But um, that's where I spent you know majority of my childhood and around that area, like Brandon, Tampa Bay area too. So uh, and then uh, yeah, we moved up. I went to school at, at UF. So um, I stayed close to home. I went went back twice went back nice. to get a master's degree there too. Like so much being a Gator. Nice. Did you? I was lucky. I was there for Tebow, and uh, I was there for the national championship in football and in in basketball. Were you so, there when like Al Horford and that whole? Yeah, like, that team. Yeah, that was back to back. That was my oh. that was my my graduate year. Yeah, that fun time. Has, hasn't like, been as fun since the reform, but it, it was fun. Yeah. Then. that was almost like a modern version of like Michigan's Fab Five. Like that Florida yeah, yeah, yeah. was loaded. Oh, that that was That's a fun time to be there. And I mean, and, and yeah. of course, Tebow because Tebow won. At least we won two or one Heisman. He won. He won one Heisman. Came back for his senior year, and then they had the disappointing drop to Alabama. At the yeah. End. But uh, yeah, they won. We the, won every, national. <laughs> what's that? You were like in every national championship. Even oh if you yeah, win them yeah. All. We were. We were it was a fun it was a fun time to be uh, you take again you take that kind of stuff for granted man it's not there yeah. forever and it's yeah. really hard to do you yeah. know and uh i think uh, you know you you when you're you're there and you're supporting it you just you think that that's that's the new normal yeah but, uh, not necessarily so, so it's still fun to watch them you know I'm, i just want them all yeah. to be safe now that's kind of my right. thing you know, like I'm, I'm so happy sports are back i'm also so cautious about it but i just want you know these are these are still at the end of the day kids and, yeah, you know, I want them to be, want them to be safe. Yeah, it's remarkable how, how well the bubbles did. Um, mm-hmm. NBA and NHL, and then you know you you see what happens when you don't have a bubble, and Major League Baseball's had its issues. It's it's remarkable so far that the NFL hasn't. I, I believe I haven't heard any reports that they've had a case yet. Um, so it seems like, and it kind of goes to show if you're incredibly prudent about the choices you make and the safe, you know, and the, the manner in which you safeguard yourself against the spread of a, of a virus. Like you can keep the numbers down. Um, if only, you know, if only a, our federal government could maybe implement, um, 
a, you know similar rigor um, as sort of many of the the states and sort of you know big organizations um, like these sports leagues uh, have. You know, I think it's it's been an interesting time in America where where you're, you're sort of testing um, the sort of more regional leaders and um, private sector leaders, and and I'd say by and large, it's it's been a that's been, you know, I'm trying to keep things positive here. Like that's been the, the silver right. lining maybe to, um, yeah. an erratic, um, leadership at the, at the top of the federal government has just been all the individual sort of, um, leaders across private sector regions, states and senators that have just really stepped up and worked together to, yeah. to help keep numbers down. No, I mean, New England in general too, like just as, you know, kind of, I mean, every state has their own different kind of way that they're dealing with it, but, you know, cases go up and down, but like, I couldn't agree more that I think that the individual response to folks is that people are stepping up when it, when they have to, yeah. uh, and when it matters, which is, yeah. which is encouraging, you know, For not sure. perfect, but it is, is encouraging. Yeah. Um, so you, I know you have a, a, a strong work ethic and we talked about in pre-podcast, I asked you the question, like, oh, how'd you describe your childhood? And, and you'd say it was extended, like you, <laughs> you, you, you didn't really grow up until you had your own kids. It sounds like I, I took that as like, wow, you, you know, your, your parents like did a really good job of just like letting you be a kid. And, and then the next question I asked you was like, what's the biggest lesson you learned from your parents? And you're like, definitely work ethic. And, you know, they always, you know, they did a good job of, of you feeling quote unquote, like well off as a family, but they had a lot of adversity they faced and a lot of um, less than ideal jobs, but they did them to make sure that, you know, you had, you know, the life and the, and, and a life filled with opportunities that you've clearly taken advantage of. Um, can you just, just, I mean, describe like your parents impact on your life and then like, you know, was it just your life? Did you have siblings? Like what, you know, what was, you know, what, what was that dynamic? And like, you know, what is it today and and where are they and how, and how has it been sort of managing that relationship through a pandemic? Yeah, no, um, yeah, it's, it's the, that last part is, is the tough one, man, because they're still in Florida, but, um, but yeah, no, you know, I think, uh, as a kid, I never, I never felt like I wanted for anything, you know, like you didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what rich or poor was. I didn't know what that was. And I, I think looking back on it, I realized how privileged that actually is to think that. Um, yeah. but I, you know, but I also remember, you know, like, you know, my, my dad worked in, you know, kind of a middle management type of role and, uh, you know, cutbacks happen and things like that. And he had, you know, he had to, he had to work in a different, you know, sometimes different industries or something like that to, to try to make everything work. And yeah. I just, I'll always remember that piece of it, you know, like that, that's one to me, you know, I mean, this is even before I had kids of my own, but like, it gives you just a sense of, you know, <laughs> things don't go right all the time. And you make yeah. bad, you, you, you personally might make bad decisions and, and you make a, uh, you know, a choice here or there that, uh, that doesn't work out for you, but it's career or something like that. And, but you, you pick it up and you figure it out. Um, and I think that, you know, that was one thing that I always, I always remembered about, about, you know, growing up in that way is that, you know, when we felt, you know, when I felt like everything was going, going right, everything's quiet. Like, like you know, not to use the sports analogy, but like the offensive line, if you don't hear their name called, they're doing their job. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, I think in this, in the situation like this, where, you know, when you know, he had to face some adversity and my mom had to face some adversity, you know, how do, how do we manage the household and things like that with my you know, I've got, uh, brothers and sisters. And, and I think that, uh, you know, 
they never they, they did a good job of making sure that we felt that insulation i think um yeah. from that and i i think that uh you know they they still you know i've got i've got younger brothers one of them played about you know played like juco basketball they were at every game and, and things like that too and while i you know nice. obviously miss them in this type of of uh environment you know one of the good things we've been able to stay in, in touch through a lot of social media uh, yeah. you know, I, I got uh my big, my probably my biggest onboarding of since being there was getting them to join Snapchat. Nice. Um, so I think uh, yeah, do they I have fun with the filters. Really, they do, and they love yeah. playing. They love sending them to my daughters. I'm so, sure. I'm sure your daughters my, my think it's a, hilarious. A big and once they, the, yeah, once you, that's awesome. So, sorry to jump on you there. I, I bet you're no, uh, no, no, no. My like my, my yeah, our daughter love like when our daughter sees like the lenses on adults, like she just finds it hilarious. I'm sure your parents saw that the first time and yep. they're like, "Oh, sweet! Like this is yeah, what a fun, what a fun way to, you know, to enjoy each other and make each other laugh from afar." Yeah, my um, my wife's mother, my mother in law, she's she's down in Florida, and we haven't seen her the, the whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been tough, you know, it's a, it's a tough decision. Cause like she wants to come up and visit and it's just an ongoing discussion. Like it's October, yep. you know, the yep. things haven't peaked yet. Maybe I should come up. Right. This is my mother-in-law talking and my wife and I are like, listen, like, well, we feel like, like think of the ripple effect. Like, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a selfish, we, you know, it's, it's in our self-interest for you to come up. Oh, you can, we can see you. You can, you can spend time with Mila. Maybe we get to go out and have a, you know, whatever, but it's like, no, like what if, what if you contract, you know, the disease, you're, you're, yep. you're more vulnerable. You know, she's in that, yep. she, she does have some vulnerabilities and in, in, with regards mm-hmm. to catching COVID-19. So like, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's the, you know, the reward would be wonderful, but it's not worth the yep. risk sort of situation. And, and so that's kind of where, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, if you're up here, you know, it's like, Oh, well maybe, maybe we'll drive. It's like, well, you're going to drive and you're going to be hitting rest areas everywhere. It's like, I mean, it's, it's a weird, you know, these are just odd conversations to have. Um, and then one other, one other tangent off of this is like, I, I mean, I went, I went to a nursing care center in Medford two days ago to see my 90 year old grandmother who I see about every two weeks for 25 minutes. She leaves the front door of the nursing care center. She goes about less than 10 feet from the front door. She sits on one side of a table with a tent over, over her. And I'm on the other side of the table. We're like 10 feet apart. We talk for 25 minutes. She can't do anything else. I mean, it's like she's basically imprisoned and I get it, right? They're trying to protect her. I mean, but COVID-19 went through her nursing care center. More than half the population caught it, including my grandmother. And she just was one of the rare exceptions that was asymptomatic and she's okay. But she still can't do anything. And it's just... Right. My heart really breaks for um, the generation beyond our parents' generation, really, like that generation of yep. folks that are 80, 90 years old. And I see my grandmother's body hasn't failed her at all. And it's like the mental toll that the last, yep. you know, that this year's taken on hers. You know, she's starting to exhibit signs of dementia. And it's just like, oh, this is a real fucking bummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm actually in the midst of a negotiation with her medical team to like get like i've i've been covid te- like covid test me do whatever i need to do like mm-hmm. give me an hour where i can drive around grammy you know she loves the fall right. and just like you want to put me supervised and throw a nurse in the back seat of my car i don't care yeah. let me get her beyond 10 feet from the front door of this building <laughs> and let me go yeah. just drive her around and like just enjoy the foliage and like 
and just like feel like she's not in prison. Um, but it's really That's tough. amazing, it's really, man. It's really I, tough. I mean, the fact that the fact that you have to one, it's amazing you're doing that. It's, two, it's just a, it's amazing you have to lobby for that. You know, oh my I mean, god. It's, you know, the great, the greatest generation, you know, so as I say, yeah. like this, with all the advances that we have and things like that, and they should be you know, living in comfort and, uh, and stability at this point. Yeah. You know, so you hear the stories of like, you know, the, the loneliness and things like that is just awful. I know. Yeah. It, I, hope it, they, it, I hope you win that negotiation. Man. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll let you know in the meantime, like, because I can only sit with her at this table, I actually bring my podcast mic and, Oh, I've been nice. recording. I've recorded a couple conversations with her. Just, you know, first time she ever, she met my mom. Like I found out the first time she ever met my mom was at my cousin's christening. And, and like, oh, she's, wow. she has this incredible memory. She's had, she's had some, some aspects of her memory are gone, but, but, uh, but she's like, we're having a really good time just exploring the past and documenting it. And my daughter's a bit too young to really, embrace this time with you know her 90 year old great grandmother so i figure like you know i could take these conversations turn them into a little podcast for the family call it matriarch and and uh it can be like a really beautiful kind of gift for for the servideo family so yeah that's that's what i'm up to uh, on that i hate to say this is a lucky thing but she she sounds really lucky to have you man i appreciate it appreciate it chris advocacy is is important for folks that can't advocate for themselves yeah definitely um so 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 baggage i I, thanks for going off on that on that tangent with me um i want i did want to like explore so we were talking about your childhood you went off to florida you're a gator um you got to experience all those national you know national championships on the football and basketball side lucky you um then what was it what was on your mind kind of entering i'm just curious like you was were you inclined to go into politics and that's why or was that you know were you kind of did you cast a wide net like what what drew you into that first gig and then you know i'm kind of curious about that first gig and then would love to kind of learn how you felt that eventual pull into um you know, Amazon, you know, to Amazon and e-commerce and the move to Seattle, which sounds like was a really wonderful move and sounds like a incredibly special place, um, for you and your wife. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if you're back there someday, but, but like kind of take us through that part of your, your journey from, from Florida to DC and, and, and eventually to Seattle. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I think you, you kind of hit it at the beginning where it's, you know, growing up in a swing state, Politics is kind of always at the forefront there. And the first election that I really remember really, you know, caring about or, or being able to participate in the right way was, you know, Gore v. Bush, which mm-hmm. obviously, you know, how Florida ended up in that situation for that. Um, so, you know, that was that was my I think my first year in college um, at that point. And then, you know, so, yeah, I kind of, you know, I had some really good good instructors and good professors. And I, I think it just kind of stuck with me of like, you know, the why the electoral college was important at that time and with the, all these different things. And um, so I went back and there was this opportunity there that they had a, they had a master's program that actually combined, uh, you know, the theory and the, the academic part of political science where you learn, you know, statistics and you know, linear regression and things like that. And combine that with, you know, actual real field experience with 
political consultants and, and, uh, you know, I had an opportunity like intern with the, an attorney general campaign. Um, and that's where I met my future boss, who is one of our guest speakers, who, you know, uh, was a VP for one of the, one of the big shops in DC. And I was at that time, I was, I was like a, uh, a graduate assistant. So I, I was in charge of booking people's travel and things like that. So, so, I, so I had a little bit of a, uh, you know, um, you know, ability to, to know who was coming in and who was going out. And, um, after that session, I just, I was, I felt like I was so fascinated by like the media side of campaigning, like, and, and, you know, you've worked in TV, like, you know, growth rating points and, you know, making sure, you know, you've got impressions going the right way. And, and, uh, you know, what, what's the most efficient play versus what's the highest reach. And, um, I just thought, you know, combine so many of the things that I liked because there's competitive aspect of the campaigning piece. And then there's this really, you know, kind of strategic level of, uh, of thinking about how, um, how to plan campaigns. And yeah, I mean, I was there, I, right after I graduated, I, I, I was offered a job at, at his shop and, uh, went up there and became, you know, kind of worked my way through like learning how to buy media, learning how to plan media, and then ultimately being in, in a situation where I could actually have, you know, some, some client facing roles. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, I've, it stuck with me forever. And I think that at that, at that point, you know, the, uh, they, that shop had been in, in business for you know 20 years or so. And I think the principals wanted to do something else. It was, it was a good time for, for me to start looking at some other things. And, um, you know, I did a, a brief, uh, I had been working, handling cable for, for a while for the, for the agency. And it was a pretty seamless transition to working for spotlight for a while. And that's when Amazon came knocking and they were trying to build out, uh, their, uh, their digital ads team. And at that point, you know, they were called Adzinia for a while and they were really kind of leaned in with like, okay, we, oh, that's we right. built this with, I think like internal Amazon folks, uh, yeah. let's go get people from the industry and bring them in. And I, you know, I started when they called me, I think, uh, I think the recruiter was, you know, they called me from DC, like, you know, Hey, listen, uh, we're recruiting for our, this you know, growing ads team in Seattle. And I'm like, I don't really know much about Seattle other than I love the music and we ended up going to this log diatribe. She's like, Oh, it's a lot sunnier than you think and all this stuff. And um, it just, it, it was, it was, it was one of those things, man. Like I, I, I've heard so many people and so many mentors that have that on your career and, and, and put these, you know, put these things that are important to you into, into buckets of like when you make a decision to make a move. And even though I wasn't, at the new role for very long, this was just not, was, again, was that opportunity where I'm like, this is, this is like spearheading something. This is like built, this is like, I think I was like account executive number 34 on that team. Wow. You know, like that's a team over 250 in the U S now. Yeah. Um, so like that kind of stuff, but just, I like that's ground floor. I mean, that's good ground floor as it gets. Um, so at least it, it particularly like where I was in my career, I'm like, that's, that's going to be an, a, a great opportunity. And, and you know, obviously, you know, like Amazon, I mean, there for, for a while yeah. it had been well documented that Amazon hadn't really turned on its ads business. Like it was a, it right. was a, it was a threat. It was a public facing narrative for a little while. So it was only like yep. a matter of time before that faucet got turned on and the, and the concerted effort was, would be put in around the ads business and to be even the first hundred, never mind the first 35 employees, you're, you're basically, I mean, there's no surprise why you would be in a position to then, you know, climb the ranks. You know, it's almost like you're already essentially like high up in the ranks, but be in a position like open New York, like go open yeah. Toronto yeah. or, you know, some of the other places that you helped kind of open. Yeah. It's like, it, it was just, it was just all growth ahead. It was just like all white space. So it was like, how old were you when you, when you made that move? So yeah, I mean, I, I was old, I was older in my I was thirty seven, I think. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you know, it wasn't like I was it, it wasn't like I was uh, you know 
first job or something like that. This is, this is an opportunity where I like, you know, what work I put in was I was going to be in control of the output. Um, nice. So I just thought of it as like, you know, yes, it was a reboot. Yes. It was going to e-commerce, which I didn't know a lot about. And at that time, man, really, honestly, Amazon was not what it is now. It, this is before Alexa. This is before we even had ROAS. So this is, this is like Amazon was a, a huge e-commerce organization and everybody and i think everybody had such a positive feeling about like what amazon was and what it could be um but it was still it wasn't without risk and i always go back to like you know when you choose the right people in your life i mean my wife stephanie moved out there sight unseen she was managing high-rise properties in the district and and i'm like this is we got to jump on this this is this is where we can go and this yeah and she's like sure we're we're strong that's awesome so what'd you say your wife's name is uh stephanie Stephanie, so so you so you and Stephanie met in DC. So you were together in DC for some years, and before you went, before the Amazon came knocking. So we actually have been together uh, since college. We met in two thousand five. So oh, she's a, she's a gator. Her. She's a gator too. Yeah, she's from New England. She went to Northeastern and then transferred down after an internship she did in Morgan State. Cool. So I, I'm thankful thankful for that. But um, uh-huh. but yeah, she, but yeah, I mean, like the you know, and she's been she's been the one that's picked up and moved every time we had a new opportunity. Right. I, yeah. I take that very, you know, I take that with a lot of like personal responsibility on my end too, to make sure I'm making good decisions yeah. on that kind of stuff and, yeah. and weigh those the right way. Like, all right, Hey, let's go to move to New York while you're six months pregnant with our daughter. And, and, you know, great. That's, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. It's closer to family and things like that. And then, yeah. um, you know, so we, you know, we have those kinds of like memories and, and, life experiences that we have together and then when there was an opportunity to come closer to home and be 20 minutes from our parents again it's that thing where yeah. this is these are these are decisions that that put those those uh those those um those buckets in perspective of like life work balance and you know opportunity for you know family stability that i couldn't uh couldn't walk away from yeah that's that's great um it definitely is the- one of the most important things you need to have is like that, that sort of circle of um, support, you know, usually, usually revolving around family. So, so, so you have that now, like you're 20 minutes away from her parents, where, where they live. Oh, they're in Chelmsford. Matt. Chelmsford. Yeah. That's, that's what I was supposed to call it. Merrimack Valley. Yeah. That's my old stomping yeah. ground. Nice. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. 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 I grew up. I grew up in yeah, the she, she was the one that turned. She was the one that 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 turned uh turned my head towards Wyndham, Wyndham. Yeah. I guess is the, is the proper way to pronounce that. Yeah, I'll just call I'm still Wyndham. learning the New England yeah. thing, man. Like I said, I I I've earned my card driving our second daughter home from the hospital yeah. blizzard, but I I I'm still getting used to being from here. I think. As long as you don't call it Bill or Ricka. <laughs> no, I've learned that. So I I have my Bill first Rick. my first like. Yeah, it's so funny, man. My first experience of like the how to pronounce things up here and how you have to do it the right way was calling on the Haverhill Gazette when I was buying print advertising. Yeah, and I remember calling and the, the sales rep picked up and I'm like, oh, "Is this the Haverhill, Haverhill Gazette?" Yeah. <laughs> laid into me. It's Haverhill. Got it. That's amazing. Now yeah, and you know what? Yeah. People from Haverhill they don't mess around. So like, yeah. No. It's- it's Haverhill, and you better you yeah. you, know, you get one yeah. mulligan on that. You better not say it wrong yeah. twice. It's same thing with Windham. Like there's people who you know this is it's it's with a ham. It's not with an um. 
So yeah. Yeah, I have to catch myself on that too. There you go. There you go. So this, this move, so you're, when, when you moved to Wyndham, was that before or after you left Amazon and took the job at Downstream? So it was when I moved to the Boston office and then I was back and forth between Boston and Toronto, I think right when we, we bought the house up here, um, kind of. And it, I think at that, at that point, then it was, you know, Amazon was growing. I was looking for, you know, kind of the next, next thing for me to be closer to home. I was commuting a lot. I was traveling a lot. It was a, you know, I, I have fond memories of Amazon. I wouldn't change anything. Um, I just think it was at that point in my career and in my life with, you know, my second daughter had been born. It was, it was a good kind of time to like, what, what else is out there at this point to, yeah. to look at to, that might be closer to home and, and can kind of build again. Um, I like the building part. It's always the thing that's been attractive to me. And I think that we've done a good job of, of building out. And it was, you know, there was an opportunity to kind of hand the keys over to, to one of my former directs. And, you know, I think that they're crushing it even more than, than we did before. So, um, you know, and that's what kind of led me to, to Connor and downstream and things like that too. Nice. And so you're referring to Connor Folly, who's the, the founder and CEO of Downstream, um, sort of originally known as Downstream Impact. I think it's still downstreamimpact.com. Um, Amazon had, um, you know, sort of, it's a Amazon product marketing uh, SaaS product really to help sort of optimize what you would imagine um, your your product marketing spend on on the Amazon platform um, company that I've advised and worked with over the years. So that's why I'm intimately familiar and got to work with you, Chris. Um, but yeah, for, in your yeah. words, I'm just you're curious. Like, wh- what was it about? What is it about Downstream that that you find kind of compelling and interesting? And I think a lot of the listeners of Boston Speaks Up are young entrepreneurs, and the young entrepreneurs, yeah. you know, pretty dominantly in in. Um, actually spread all over, but there's a lot of young entrepreneurs, certainly in the, in the Boston market. I think Boston has an interesting sort of e-commerce innovation ecosystem. Certainly like you got companies like Wayfair here. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it'd be cool for you to lend some insight into like what downstream does, what, what drew you to it and sort of where you see additional white space and sort of the um, advertising in a third party advertising innovation marketplace that can come in and kind of yeah. augment some of the internal stuff Amazon's up to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I was, I was attracted to the, the opportunity of course, because it was another kind of build out, but it all started with the leadership of that team, Connor and Salim, who were, you know, just, you know, as you know, to some of the best people in the world to begin with. Uh, but also the, just the way they, thought about the business I, I you know I I was always kind of um I guess skeptical not skeptical is not the right word but like more wary of like joining a startup and you know the VC world is a much different world than where I've come from and more corporate kind of you know structure um but I, I thought they never operated they 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 wanted to they wanted to be smart about the business. They want to be nimble. They didn't want to add a bunch of fixed headcount to do this and, and make it that it you know that we grew and scaled very Amazonian. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously both of them coming from Amazon, and this was like a, a it was like a, a release for me back into the wild of like how things are done outside of Amazon, but using so many of those principles that I've known before and, and felt comfortable with on how we actually you know, started to build that team out together. And then it really took off, you know, I mean, I, when I met you and things like that, it was, it was, uh, I think it was just the right time for a lot of businesses to start looking at, like, how do we do this ourselves um, versus, you know, other 
more traditional ways that we've done this before. And and I think the the software component of that, having it be, you know, mostly intuitive for them, you know, and, and, and out of the box, and then you can add customization as you go. And I think that's the future of, of ad sales from a, a particular, like on the, um, on the e-commerce side, if you don't have a direct way to, you know, get the insights that you need out of the, out of the platform. Right. And I, I don't, you know, I can't speak for Amazon in terms of their overall strategy of how they would do that. But for the most part, how they've seemed to approach these types of tools is that they wait until they get the feedback that they need to make the change. They want, they want that third party, you know, kind of feedback and development. They're so huge about that. Um, and I think that, you know, downstream is, is one of those ones that, you know, they have the knowledge of the, of the back of the, of the platform themselves. And they were able to, you know, kind of, take advantage of some market conditions that, you know, there was a, there's an appetite for, for folks who wanted more than what I think Amazon was, was ready to develop on their own uh, because there were so many third parties out there that would do it. Um, so, you know, I can't, obviously that it was, a, you know, it was there for about a year before, uh, before the snap opportunity, you know, came along. But I think, uh, you know, I can't say enough about those guys in terms of like what they're trying to do and what they, uh, the way they're doing it. Uh, again, I lo- I'm a big believer in, the, in doing things the right way when you can, and I think that, that, I think that they do. And I, you know, even even in the way that they they handled when when they knew I was going on to something different, you know, I was very transparent about like you know trying to, you know, this is something that I I my career always ends with me back in politics in some way, shape, yeah. or form. I didn't know when, whether it was me doing it on my own or doing something like that, but there was always going to circle back to that. That's just it's a it's a it's an industry that I that I just can't ever really let go of. Um, but uh, you know, again, I think, you know, they, they ended up moving product and revenue together. And I think that that's such a smart way to do it when you're, you, we're in uncertain times and, and not, yeah. uh, you know, not looking to like, you know, okay, well, we got to go get a, a, a big splash higher and, and put that out there. They, they went, they went the other way and said, you know, like, let's get somebody who's strong. And, and Jake is a fantastic director of product and actually went in there and, you know, I think had a lot of great ideas for how to streamline, you know, the business side of that too. And, um, you know, I wish them, I still, still talk to Connor. So I, I wish them nothing but the best. I know I have ultimate faith that they will get it right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You, you and me both, the, the great Salim and Connor are, are special. Um, definitely, definitely long on, on, on downstream making some, uh, some big impact in the years to come pun intended. Um, so, so let's, so let's talk about where it all ends, right? You're like, you, you, you yeah. just, said this it all it all ends with me back in politics so you're you're in this interesting role at snap like what what um what do you foresee as the white space like for snapchat specifically and then maybe you know you could say platforms more broadly but if you want to say snapchat specifically like what's on the horizon like pat you know even you know past this election just more as like a Snapchat is like an impact engine to, you know, yeah. help impress upon important messages to young people to um, consequently result in actions which can positively impact the world. Like uh, that's kind of my, you know, romantic take on it. Like it seems to me that, that um, you know, can you, exp- can you expand on that or just kind of take in whatever direction you like, like, you're in this role, you're back in politics, you're at one of the most um, significant platforms in terms of sort of scale and, and, um, 
and sort of like unique audience impact being a younger audience what's in store for the future like what do you what stokes your fire like what are you most excited about doing now and and into and beyond um this election into 2021 and and beyond yeah no um you know just completely like honest is that I've, I don't think I've been this energized in, in my career in a really long time. I'm super busy. I know that even just this hour, I'm, I'm piling up with emails and you know, my team is doing a fantastic job just to, to you know, I have, I've, I have some of the best like partners to work with that I've worked with in, in forever that I can remember. Um, you know, just the, we're all committed to the mission. We're all committed to like what we're trying to build here. And I think that uh, it, it's just, it's energized me, man. Like I, I think, you know, we're having so many conversations with agencies that didn't know what we could do. I, I've, I've got I've had conversations just onboarding them to the, the platform themselves. And that, to me, just speaks to, one, that they're willing to listen to us. And, two, that they're willing to try us. And, and, and you know, um, but that there's, there's so much knowledge left out there uh, to, to educate, you know, agencies and campaigns and, and how they can engage with, with voters. And um, I'm already looking at 2020. You know, I'm, 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 in fact, I'm really looking at 2021. There's a Virginia and a governor, uh, there's a Virginia and a New Jersey governor's race. Here. So like, these are things that, uh, you know, I, I love like, you know, coming in and mapping out like who are, who are the people that we really need to talk to that, that Snapchat makes sense for, and, um, you know, and how do we go from there to, you know, build this out and accelerate the business. I think this is a good foundation year for us. Uh, I'm not done yet. And I'm, I know my team's not done yet. I, I want, I'm thinking really big about this opportunity and whether it's, um, you know, you know, taking taking baby steps, whether you know we with our product offering or whether it's you know really doubling down on our civic engagement with like voter voter tools and things like that. And, but uh, the the energy comes from the fact that we're we've got a great team to start with. Um, I think we've got a lot of room to grow still, uh, and I, I I do think that you know Snap is uniquely positioned to to be they've taken a stance. They took a stand early. They took a stand early. Like you're not going to be able to just make a claim and, and hope that that flies. Uh, I've turned down advertisers that, you know, <laughs> that are, 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 you know, a legitimate, you know, uh, you know, type of campaign that they're running because there's a claim that, that we can't run. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously provide substantiation or anything like that. They've got it, but if they can't, we can't, we can't run that. And we're not, we're not going to do that. We, we value the community too much uh, to kind of, pollute it that way regardless of the, of the you know the wind the short-term financial windfall that's there um and i want to do more of the i want to do more of the positive messaging i i i think that you know snap has this whole you know um ideology around be kind um and you know let's let's make positive uh you know impacts and not only on internally at the, at the company but also you know externally at our community and make people have a reason to use the platform and a reason to look at the messages and things like that versus it's just because they, everybody's there. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, like it, it just, I'm, I probably haven't been this busy in a really long time, but I've also don't, I can't remember when I've been this like excited for not just the present, but, but the future as well, even in uncertain times. Um, I think at the, at the end of the day, like my, my theory on this is that people are, are done uh, with the negativity and the division and things like that. And yes, there'll be, there always will be attack ads. There'll always be, you know, negative, uh, you know, uh, drawing differences between you and your, and your competitor and your opponent. Uh, but I think people are, I think people are really looking for something different from a messaging perspective and wanting a reason to engage 
uh, in the electorate versus not and saying like I'm I'm done with this. And I, I think if the debate was any indicator, I think that, that that's the um, that's the the overall mood. There are going to be people that will always take the side and and don their colors and say this is where this is the these are the things that I care about and I'm not I'm not movable on this. But that's not that's not the majority of the country. The majority of the country yeah. is it takes information in and they they make they make decisions based on their own values and they're very busy and they don't have the time to necessarily look at every single line item of a, of a policy decision. Uh, but I do think they want to believe in who they're who the who the people and the issues that they support are. And uh, I, I, again, I think we're we're uniquely positioned to to kind of demand that from advertisers and and show them why it's why it works better on our platform versus uh, you know going the opposite and and trying yeah. to just get you know that I think you alluded to it before that you know kind of that immediate uh, you know in, uh, gratification versus you know here's something that you you've chosen to look at and, and engage with. Yeah. You just alluded to the, the last piece I wanted to t- touch on because it, it wouldn't be journalistic of me not to bring up the uh, the recent presidential debate, the first mm-hmm. of three, if all three happen, all three should, even though that was a disgrace, really. Um, and the, the attacks and the negativity um, certainly came, you know, firmly from, from one side. They came from the president of the United States, which is a fucking bummer because it's, you know, the whole world's watching and I think it's not indicative of, um, what you know america truly is but um in some ways unfortunately it you know you can argue that it is indicative because you know he he was voted president he's in office um but i'm I'm curious like you're you're talking about you know making sure that fact-based ads only show up in snap and you know keeping things positive like if the trump you know number one i mean i'm curious has the trump campaign ever run a snapchat ad and if the trump campaign came to snapchat and said we want to run a campaign that is and and you know it's got to be fact based. Okay, hi Snapchatters, President Donald Trump here. I am your president. Um, I promise I'll do great another four years. Period. Like like just some you know basic statement, yeah. fact. You know I'm the president and not any issues based and not pushing any sort of you know any negativity or anything that is um, factually incorrect. Like. The Snapchat run that ad. Yeah, I mean, we have a we actually have an ads library where you can download, and it's free for everybody to do. Anybody mm-hmm. with internet access can actually download our every ad that's ever run on the platform. We've had ads from both presidential candidates for a while, okay. um, but they both we hold them both to the same rigor. Like cool. you know, the, this is they're going to go through manual review. They're you know, if you make a claim, have substantiation behind it, and um, you know, have a have an impact on the on the community that's not going to um you know cause confusion or misdirection or anything like that um, and you know and obviously like we want both sides like i i you know everybody yeah. has their own political leanings but i yeah. i i consider it also not good if we don't have both sides i don't i don't like being a uh you know one side of the electorate or, or the other, I think both sides should want to inform their voters of why they should vote for each other or why yeah. there's a policy differentiator or something like that. Um, so I'm happy about that, but I, I do think that there are, um, there are instances where, you know, by putting it all out there and saying like, you can look at not only the ads that run, but the targeting that they used and the geos that they targeted. And, and like all of these, all of those types of like just full transparency into like, you know, you're putting yourself out there. If you say like, I'm going to run an ad, uh, because you're, you know, that anybody can download this and look at exactly what you were trying to, you know, and we, you know, 
that's why we have some of those controls. Like we don't accept money from foreign nationals for campaigns and things like that. Like we have that strict line drawn in the sand. Um, and you know, yeah, is that, does that lead some money to funnel other places? Sure. Uh, does that, does that make me help me sleep a lot better at night? It absolutely does. Uh, so I think that, you know, I encourage both and all sides of, of the issues yeah. to, to join us. I just, I think that you know, we're, I don't see, um, I don't see us changing our stance on that. And I, I frankly wouldn't, I wouldn't want to advocate for changing our stance on where we, where we sit and, and what we demand of, of advertisers. That makes sense. That's, I mean, so there's, there's no, you know, there's no bias, there's no bias there. Same rules for both sides and, and ideally have both sides have the opportunity to, to broadcast, you know, messages that are based in fact, make, it makes sense. Um, now taking your Snapchat hat off for a moment, if you could, and just, being the human and the father and the husband, um, what do you think of the debate on Tuesday? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's a it's a it's an emotional time. Like I think for people, um, you know, and, and I, I I feel like I have friends across all political spectrums. I've worked in this business for long enough that I know that I don't agree with everybody, and not everybody agrees with me. Um, but watching that, you you just kind of feel like, wow, is this is this the best we can do? Um, and I think, uh, I think that that's also a super dangerous position to be in because it, it goes the other way where people may just pull out of the process. And that's where, that's what I don't want to see happen. Um, nobody's perfect, right? And you, you're going to have to make the, the, the judgment call of what you, what is right for you and what is right for your family and the issues and the things that you prioritize. And you're, you're going to have to come to terms with how you decide to cast your vote. But I, I, but cast. You know, like that's the, that's to me is the most dangerous thing for, for a democracy is that people just pull out and say that they're not, they're not interested because they don't like the choices that are there anymore. Right. Um, and I think, again, it, it goes back to that. What's causing, that? what is it that is, that is making folks just say, this is ridiculous. I don't, I don't, uh, these, I can't get, I can't understand which, what, what side either one of these, these people go for or anything like that. Um, and I do think that this isn't, you know, you know, I, I don't want to get into like a, uh, um, a soapbox or anything like that, but voting matters, you know, and it, yeah. and, and it does. And I think that, uh, you know, pull, you know, pulling back and saying, I, I don't want to, I don't want to even be involved with, with the, the choices that we have here. Um, that's also a choice, right? Um, and I think, uh, I think I, I'd hate to see us get to move more and more towards that. And I, I think that's what my biggest concern was as a, as a, you know, a concerned citizen and American and father and, and husband and everything like that is like more people pulling out of the process just means that those two sides that don't agree on anything have more voice. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I think we can be better than that. I, I hope we will. And I hope that, you know, it sounds like they're going to make some controls of, uh, of where, how they're going to be able to, uh, you know, manage these next two debates if they happen a little bit better. And I hope, I hope that they do. And I, I mean, they were up against it with, with trying to control that. That was, that was kind of a, um, it was a, it was a spectacle for sure. But I do think, um, I think we can be better. And I, I'd hate to see somebody who's just first registered or thinking about voting or, or, you know, excited to join the process, look at that and say, uh, this is, this is what my choices are. I think that it's yeah. not necessarily that it is, it is something where, um, you know, while no, while no candidate might perfectly align, um, picking nobody in this is, is probably the worst of the, of the three choices. Yeah. We don't need that again. 
too much of that last election. Yeah. Pick, yeah. Annoyed by both candidates and, and just cast, you know, not voting or, or casting a vote for, uh, I think Kanye West is on as a VP on the ballot. My brother, <laughs> my brother sent me his ballot because he's in Italy, so he's he's sending in his ballot. Well, Who is it? Always runs uh, Vermin Supreme. Oh yeah, Vermin yeah. Supreme. Well, actually, was, yeah. I mean, I, I think. Yeah, Do you I listen mean, to ninety eight five The Sports Hub at all? Since you've been here, because they they have Vermin Supreme on the radio uh, that like they had him on in like the last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna get votes. So, uh, I think, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, again, I, I think, you know, we, we, we've had dark, we've had dark periods here, you know, and we've yeah. had, we've had bright periods. We'll get, we'll, we'll figure yeah. it out. Well, um, well, the next the will of the people, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I think so. And I kind of, that's the last thing I wanted to to talk to you about is just the, the last, like the last topic we covered in the pre-podcast Q and A, but just as a side note, um, I think the next moderator will do a better a better job. Um, I don't think that Chris Wallace actually, in some instances, like I just don't know what Chris Wallace could have done. Um, yeah. But but Steve Scully, um, who who by the way, side note, I mean you, in the some listeners may remember Jason Damata, Fabric Media CEO that yeah. I interviewed a couple of years back. But Jason Damata worked for Steve, Steve Scully because he kind of started his career at C-SPAN, um, and he actually just put a really nice post up on LinkedIn. I'll have to share it with you, Chris. Um, just about Steve and what a stand-up duty is and how absolutely um, unbiased and, and, and just like respectful um, he is of, of, of all sides of all people. And, and just, he just has made a career just giving like equal weight to all and, and not being judgmental. And, and he's just, he's a really unique um, and special moderator for debate. I mean, I think there's a reason why he is debating this, this next debate. And I'm, I'm particularly looking forward to seeing him moderate. I think it's, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to meet him, just experience, you know, like, you know, his work at C-SPAN over the years, I'm sure you're familiar with. Like, I, I think yeah. that there's a lot of, I have a lot of optimism for what, you know, he might be able to bring about. That's great. Yeah. Um, looking, looking forward to yeah. it. I'll definitely be watching. Yes. Yeah, uh, like, likewise, hope, likewise, hoping, hoping it improves. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I loved your answer about like, I, it's, it's such a, you know, it's a hard question. Like, what's that one thing about the world you'd love to see change. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, I think about it the same way. It's like what, you know, you, you kind of put it in terms of like, well, what, what world am I leaving my kids? This is literally how I always say it. it's like, you want to leave it better and for your, for your kids, right? Right. Like not to be morbid, like you want your kids to be on the planet longer than you. Like, and when, yeah. they, when you, yeah. when you leave the planet and your kids are left, you want there to be peace, right? You want it to be peaceful, right? You don't want yeah. there like in, in, and in order for, in, for things to be peaceful, like, you know, they're just, you know, there needs to be a lot of, of, of kindness. There needs to be economic prosperity for all. So, you know, just talk, talk through like, you know, your thoughts on like, you know, what, how you'd love to see the world you know and you know continue to evolve and 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 progress in the decades ahead so that we are leaving you know a planet for our children that that we feel confident you know they can thrive in and they can be you know safe and healthy and happy in yeah i know it's a that was a that was a tough one to answer because i think uh there's so many so many little things that that build up to that piece of it but I, i do think you know trying to boil it down as simple as possible and i know it's without being cliche, but that, that, that kindness piece of it and, and equity, uh, I think not, yeah. you know, is, is important. Um, because we, we sometimes look at, you know, being a good person or, or, uh, being respectful or things like that as weakness. 
Um, and I, I think that, uh, that's, that's one where, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to instill that in my daughters. And, and I know, I know my wife has, has just got some, so much better at having that kind of grace, uh, than I am. But, um, but I think just being able to, say you know that there's there's going to be differences and some of those differences those people can't control and those people can't have um uh you know we we don't need to have a a world where we're constantly deciding that uh we have this and we worked really hard for this and nobody better take it away um where it's it's because that that is a that's a zero-sum game at the end of it there there's only so much stuff you can actually accumulate um and i think that you know, marrying the idea of being successful and working hard for what you're trying to do. You know, even going back to like my family and things like that is like, yes, you need to work hard and you need to have a good work ethic. You need to want to succeed. You want to have that drive to succeed, but it doesn't work if you don't bring people with you and you don't have, uh, you know, you don't leave an impact on somebody else and somebody else wants to do the same thing because they saw you do it. Uh, and I think that, you know, for, for my girls, like, you know, you, you rising up is great. Rise other people up and lift other people up around you as well. Uh, and I think, uh, I think that so much of this takes care of itself if we just, if we, if we raise more humans like that. Yeah, um, well and not that I have all the answers in how to do this at all. Uh, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to screw that up a whole bunch, but it, it is something where I, 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 it is, I, you, you may, you and I may have had similar situations where, you know, you, you, your parents want you to do this or, or, you know, society wants you to grow up to do this. And this is what measures success, like the role that you have. Um, I've taken steps forward in roles. I've taken steps backwards in roles. And I think that that is, is part of life. But what you, what you don't want to do is I don't want to step on somebody else to get where I am. And I don't want somebody else to feel stepped on. Uh, and if I can get my, my kids to understand that piece of it too, then I think that that is, uh, that's a win. Yeah, well, <laughs> At least some, in some small way. Yeah, well said. It, it, there's a book that uh, Boston University gave my graduating class that had a big smiley face on it. And the name of the book is the power of nice. And I remember, I remember being super skeptical of it. I'm like, come on, man, I got all these student loans. Like, yeah, being nice is going to help me like figure it out. And I've read that book five or six times. Um, And it's true. It's, it's, it's literally like, you know, in all those scenarios where you could either step on someone or just like, be like, be nice, be kind. Like the, the, with compound interest over time, like, just you're going to attract a lot of good um in your life and you know it's a lot like that book the secret you know it's just yeah you just put good out to the world and good's going to come back your way and you know it doesn't mean that you're not sometimes gonna you know it doesn't mean you're always going to take steps forward but in you know an aggregate over time you're you're gonna you're gonna progress you're gonna be happy and good things are gonna come and those are the lessons you got to teach we got to teach our kids um and so i couldn't i couldn't agree more i really Really appreciate that. Um, and with that, you've been super generous with your time. You got probably some emails to catch up on. It's your <laughs> wife's birthday. Have, have fun apple picking. This has been a Thank this you. has been a pleasure, Chris. I really appreciate all the time, and uh, I wish you know I wish your wife a great a great birthday and enjoy the the beautiful uh, New England fall weather this October. Thanks so much, Zach. I really appreciate you having me, and uh, hopefully we can catch up in person one day soon, man. Stay safe and healthy. Let's do it. Let's do a little fall social distanced uh, beer or coffee. We'll take take it offline. Yeah. Let's figure it out. Let's do it. Can we can we pick it up after uh, November fourth? We're we're good. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. Take okay. care. Thanks again. All right. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, Boston. Bye.